are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Hey, we're, at, we're glad to have Jason here today. Uh, you've probably been here three or four times over the years, I think. Last time was before COVID, so it was about three years ago, and like I said, Jason and I have been friends for a long time, and back when I was, we were youth pastors up in Illinois, and uh, there, there's, no one, there's no one like Jason. <laughs> you know, we, we, we enjoy you, Bubba, and what God's doing in your life, and real unique ministry, and one, one of the things I appreciate about, appreciate about him the most is when Jason's just leading worship and singing, it's just so easy to hear from the Lord, you know? And God's doing great stuff in his family and in his ministry, and um, I'm just excited he can be here with us today just to speak into our church a little bit and into our personal lives. So, but why don't you come up and just do a little teaching, and we'll just hang out a little bit. So, okay, go for it. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for the graphic. So I'll talk about this real quick. Um, this is a new book. And so if you have your phone or want to write this down, so write the word musical. I want to encourage you to actually do this right now. So go ahead and do it so you can get this book. Um, so the word is musical, like, you know, a musical you would see. And then remedies. Net. So this is the website that I'm giving you where you can go and download this audio and digital ebook for any donation. And so who remembers Keith Green? Anybody? So Keith Green, he would go to his concerts and all of his products he would just have out there. And he says, get what you can, even if it's nothing. And so I just want to encourage you to go to musicalremedies.net. And none of you are writing it down like I told you to, but it's okay. Okay, Greg is. Go to musicalremedies.net. You can download that for any donation. You can do that at the table. Um, and a lot of people ask, well, do you take debit or credit or whatever? We can do that. Or So afterwards, and have a couple CDs back there so you can continue just enjoying the music ministry. Does that sound good? All right. So let's pray before we start. Lord, I just thank you for what you're already doing in this place. Father, today we just want to be open to hearing what your Spirit's saying, and I just join in with what you're already doing in this community. And thank you that you're going to renew our minds and our mentalities in a way that will take us closer and more vast in our expression, our experience with you. So just ask for that in Jesus' name today. And everybody said... Amen. All right. So I want to actually, I was talking with Pastor Greg um, just this weekend, and uh, the series or whatever you would, would call that has been in Renewing the Mind. Is that correct? And so it was interesting because one of the parts of my book that I really wanted to share, it's talking about renewing our minds from a Greek mentality to a Hebrew mentality, a Greek mindset or perception of God into a Hebrew mindset. And so we're going to get into that today. 
But I want to start by just kind of going through chapter 2 of the book and just reading through it with you. It's not going to take long. And just uh, really get some perspective on how we can do more than just experience reading words off a screen or in a book in worship. We can actually get into the experience with the Lord where it's tangible, where it's more than just an idea. And so let's get into that this morning. And I'm, I'm starting verbatim just reading this analogy out here. So dear reader, assuming you like pizza, anybody like pizza? And raise your hand if you do, okay. Assuming you do, would you rather only sing a song about pizza or actually eat it? Now, can you imagine like the piping hot aroma rising up in front of you? And it's right there. And you smell it and you're just aware of it. But then you just look and say, cheese, you look so good, so good. And then you walk away. You have permission to laugh this morning, by the way, because I'm hilarious. So what I continue to say here is I think most of you, given that choice, would choose to eventually eat. So the question is, would you rather only sing the song about it or would you actually want to eat it? I think we all would say we probably want to partake of that. Because why would anyone choose to only sing a song about something they could actually also experience partaking of? Some of you know where I'm going already. I can see it in your face. Next question. Would you rather only sing a song about God's goodness or actually taste and see that the Lord is good? Amen? That's Psalm 34.8. It says, taste and see the Lord is good. When we look deeper into the meaning of Psalm 34.8, Taste and see translates to perceive, to inspect, and consider the vastness of the Lord's goodness to you. Doesn't that take you to a whole new level? And so when I think of inspection, you know, I think of what are those guys that are like on those shows where their job is to just look into the science of everything when, when they're out doing the, the, they work with the police and they have to look into the forensic, there's the word I'm looking for, forensic. It's like they have to look deeper. They have to go beyond the perception that just the average person looking would see. But those guys, they look at it different, right? They see deeper. They see details that the average person wouldn't see. And I'm telling you that that's how God desires we come to him, that it's more than just status quo and big picture, but that there's so much more to experience, to taste, to see in his presence with him. Amen. I like to say that God gave us eternity because that's how long it's going to take to see his fullness. Somebody like that? So you see, the writers of the Psalms were Hebrew. They thought like Hebrews, and they wrote like Hebrews. The Hebrews thought and communication does more than use words to only describe things conceptually. And that's kind of the Greek mindset. It's like from looking at this window over here, and, you know, that kind of reminds me of fire. And it's like, okay, I can stand here and describe it. And if it literally was fire, the Hebrew mindset says, I want to do more than just from a distance describe something. I'm drawn to it. I have to, I have to get closer to it. I have to experience it and, and actually become part of it and actually be in it and have experience with it. And so that's what the Hebrew mindset does. It communicates in a way that leads you beyond the cognitive conception into an experience. 
How many of you want to experience God consistently in your life? And so the Hebrew writer of Psalm 34, he desired the reader experience, not just the thought or idea of God's goodness, but the literal, tangible goodness of God. And so the song, have you guys done that song here before? Um, the More I Seek You? Have you guys done that? Because when I started playing it, it didn't seem like it was familiar. But the point is that this song, it talks about, I want to sit at your feet, drink the cup from your hand, lay back against you and breathe, hear, hear your heartbeat. And what we do with, in this culture, this Western culture, and the, the Greek mentality is to wax poetically or to speak poetically about our desires. And to the point where sometimes we get confused and we actually think that talking about it or describing it is actually the experience, and it's not. It's actually, there's more to it. There's actually more to experience. And so what I'll see, and this is kind of a trend, and, you know, even with the younger generation I'm seeing is they'll pick out a phrase in a worship song and they'll sing it over and over and over again. And to me, it becomes comical. And I'm not kidding you. There was this one time I was at church, and they, I believe, might have seen this one phrase about 50 times in a row. And I was just looking around like, okay, where am I right now? It was kind of creepy, actually. Because <laughs> they're just like singing this over and over like a chant. Like, want to sit at your feet, want to sit at your feet, want to sit at your feet. That was only three, okay? If I kept doing that, it would just get so repetitive. And what happens is we're, we're getting into this trend where we think it's prophetic, but really it's just monotonous. It's true. And so what the prophetic is, is where you hear the voice of God, but when you sing a spontaneous phrase like that over and over again, what I think a lot of times is we're going from song to song and phrase to phrase, and there's no room in there. There's no selah in there, which is the pause in his presence to actually refrain from singing so we can hear his song over us. Is that good? And so who's familiar with that scripture, Zephaniah 3.17? It says that the Lord is a mighty one who will save, and it says that he rejoices over you with joyful singing. And the Hebrew word for the singing, and the, it's actually a movement word, and it's called ghoul. And it actually means to spin and rejoice and leap and shout for delight over you. And so when you read that scripture and you really meditate on it, and you think about your father God, he's not this stoic God sitting on a throne. He's not this God who's just sitting there, you know, because we always hear those songs and hear those scriptures about the throne of God. But He's a moving God. He's rejoicing over you. And if you really meditate on this and really get a visual in your spirit, this, this will transform your relationship with Him. It will transform your life because you will actually begin actually believe that your Father enjoys you more than maybe you've ever believed. And then what that does is it translates into us becoming more free in our expression to Him, in our relationship with Him. Because when we know what our Father thinks about us, how He perceives us, how He rejoices over us, it makes us free. You know, what keeps us in bondage and keeps us from being expressed, keeps us from walking in freedom, it's actually not that the, the music isn't good enough, or it's not fast songs, or whatever. It's because a lot of times it's our mentality that keeps us from actually being free. It's our mindset 
of thinking, well, God doesn't really enjoy me that, to that level, or God isn't actually a God who rejoices in that way, or God isn't a dancing God, or God isn't a singing God, and we see him in this new way, it sets us free. I believe he's going to do that in the church. And so I'm telling you, in order to actually experience what we sing about, we're going to have to learn how to eventually refrain from singing so we can actually experience the encounter where singing we claim to want to have. Are you guys with me? I mean, sometimes when I'm reading this and I'm writing this, I, I think it's hilarious. Because if you want to hear his voice, you'll need to actually eventually stop singing that song about whining to hear his voice and actually listen. And it sounds like 101, of course. But there's a lot of times where we go from song to song, from phrase to phrase, and I believe that the Lord is saying he's tired of being left hanging. He's tired. The Holy Spirit, you ever been at a church service before where you, you just felt like, man, you're about to get there? You know what I'm talking about? And when all of a sudden they'll come up and start doing, and not here because it was awesome, but they'll start doing the announcements or they'll start doing something. And you, Anybody been there before? Experienced that? It's because I believe that the Lord revealed to me a lot of times when he's about to move, he's about to speak, he's about to bring healing, he's about to do something. A lot of times he'll be cut off from being able to manifest his ministry. You know, when, when Greg says about me, like he said this morning, you know, when Jason like, does worship, there's you know, really opportunity to hear the voice of God. It's not because I'm more anointed or more gifted or a better singer or better piano player than, than this guy over here or this guy over here. It's because I've learned how to just give him room. I've learned how to give him space. I've learned to understand that his ministry is the greatest ministry there is, the Holy Spirit's ministry. Like who else could come in here and hover over every individual in this place and know exactly what you're all going through, each as individuals, and be able to speak over you, begin to bring restoration and healing and manifest in your life, who could do that besides the Holy Spirit? I'm getting chills right now because I believe that the, the more we decrease, the more he's going to increase. The more we give him room, the more he's actually going to take and move in our life. It's really literally just a decision we have to make to say, Lord, I'm going to give you the time. I'm going to give you the space. And what's difficult in our culture is it's so noisy, so much entertainment, so much going on. You know, I've heard pastors say this before. You know, that in worship, they don't want there to be, they literally don't purposely want there to be gaps in between the songs. They really don't want there to be interlude. What the Bible calls the Selah, which is, like I said, the pause in His presence, because they, they'll say this, literally heard pastors say, we don't want any dead time. We don't want any dead time in our worship meetings. And I believe that that is the actual time that could be the most alive time. That could be the most life-giving time where we take those pauses and say, Lord, I'm pouring out, you know, we're real good at pouring out our songs and our expressions, but we're not so good. I'm just telling you, we're not so good at the pause. We're not so good at the wait. Why is that? I believe it's because our culture has kind of, you know, gotten us to the point where we've always got to have some kind of uh, stimulus. And I don't think that's good. I think part of God renewing our minds, 
I believe part of God renewing our mind, actually literally renewing our minds in a physical way. We always think about it as a spiritual thing or our mindset or how we think about something. You know, and repent really means to just change our thinking so we change our direction. But there's also something about, I believe, God physically renewing our minds where we get out. Who likes to go into nature like I do, creation? You get out there and you're like, man, I feel so clear. I feel so good. Why is that? It's because I got out into nature, but it's also because you got away from a lot of noise. You got away from a lot of things. And so God doesn't want to just deliver you into something. He wants to deliver you out of it as well so you can get that negative vibe, negative sound out of your mindset, out of your spirit to hear him. And I think that's why we can hear the still small voice. The Lord's reminding me right now. Who remembers when, I believe it was Elijah, was at the cave and there was the whirlwind and all the noise? Remember that story? And there was uh, lightning and thunders and all that. And then all of a sudden, all that died down. It said that then he heard the still small voice of the Lord. The Lord spoke to me with that scripture and he said, Jason, I was speaking through the storm, I was speaking through all the noise. My voice is always speaking. But he said the reason he heard it is because when that died down, then he could tune in and hear what I was always saying. And so the reality is there's a lot of reasons where we aren't hearing the voice of God because there's so much other stimulus, so much other noise going on. And we have to be willing and understand to come out of that. And so this is really the, the, the crux of this message is really coming down to a decision of us just saying, Lord, we want to hear you and we're willing to learn how to grow in our ability to wait on you. And so I'll further go into this Greek versus Hebrew mindset. And it, I already alluded to this, but in the Western church, in order for us to hear, experience God, it required the shift from the Greek mindset to Hebrew. And the Hebrew mindset, I'll just jump to that. It involves action and movement. Should we go back to grade school? Remember, noun versus verbs. So it's verbs. It's personal, experiential, and there's close interaction. So this posture in worship, it'll eventually lead you beyond just words to the point where you're literally in the midst of what you're describing. And so, you know, I like having words on the screen to a point. But if we get to the point where we rely on that and we don't know how to have an actual firsthand encounter with the Lord, I think that's the thing the Lord's after is to say, I don't mind you having that to a point, but he's saying, I want the church to learn how to sing the new song of the Lord. I want the church to learn that when the worship leader says, sing a new song to the Lord, that people aren't just staring at the blank screen and not knowing what to do. And this isn't a demeaning thing I'm saying. This is encouragement to say that the Lord is so vast, the Lord is so good, there's so much to taste and see, that He's calling us to just be able to experience and see that and respond to it in real time, in a fresh way, at a new level. You know, I say it this way, who's been to Grand Canyon before, anybody? So when you went to the Grand Canyon, you looked there, did you need Will to come up to you and say, look at the Grand Canyon, it's so beautiful and vast, look at all the colors. And you're like, oh man, well yeah, 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 I see it now, woo! And you got excited about it because 
this guy, you needed this guy to come and tell you how amazing it looked. No, of course not. You looked at it, and you saw it, and your jaw dropped, and you didn't need any other stimulation or any other encouragement to be able to respond to that. And I think that's what I'm saying here this morning is that God wants us to get to that place where we can be in a room with no music and no other outside stimulus, or we can be in creation and be in front of the ocean or be in the forest or be wherever with the Lord. And we get to the point where, yes, the songs are good and the PowerPoint's good, but when we're just with Him in that silent place, we still have something that rises up in our spirit and says, Lord, I, I experience You in this moment. I can taste of Your goodness in this place. And we get to the place where nothing can hold us back from encountering Him in that way. Nothing can hold us back where we don't need that necessarily. I don't know if you remember this... Uh, what was her name? Well, um, as a missionary back in Freeport, um, Babbler, it was the Ruth Babbler, I believe. So we're on a mission trip in Juarez, uh, Mexico, right across from El Paso. And I was probably uh, 18, 17, I don't remember. But I remember we got together in a group, in a circle to do worship. And I remember she brings out, remember like when popcorn used to like actually pop in in a pan? with like oil and stuff. So she had that old, old days popcorn. And uh, she comes out and she starts shaking it to, to the tempo of the song. And I remember, I remember having the bad attitude. I remember exactly my attitude. I was like, what is going on here? And I was judging her. I was judging like that she's shaking popcorn because I, I just didn't understand. And I remember later she took me aside. She's like, Jason, I saw you. I saw your attitude. I saw, you know, and she's like, you don't need all that other stuff. All you need is a jar of popcorn to shake before the Lord and you can experience his presence. And it taught me something that day that the tracks are good. Whoever it was we used to sing to, like, I think it was like DC Talk or something, man. It was crazy back then. And, um, but the point is that I learned that day that God's presence is available, God, that God's presence is, is the same. It doesn't change. It's not conducive based on how famous the, the worship team is or whatever, whatever other stimuli that, that seems to you know, make us think that there's different levels of God or there's different presences of God or there's different availabilities at different times based on who the, the leader is or what song it is. It's, it's just not true. And so we got to get to this place where we're just like, Lord, you're the same. You never change and you're, you're accessible to me whatever the circumstance, wherever I am. And it radically changes your mentality, and it radically changes how you encounter Him. You know, the Greek mindset, it can mislead itself into thinking, like I said, that talking or singing about an experience is actually having the experience. But this is really what I would call a crossing a, a false finish line. Oftentimes when we move from one song or prayer without giving God opportunity to respond, we've crossed a false finish line. Meaning that we may think the relational exchange is complete, but God may not. And I don't know, man, if you ever had this experience like going out with friends or a date or who would, who would want to go out with someone, whether it's a friend or a date, and just sit down with them and they actually talk at the table. You're having coffee and they just talk the entire time. Like you're out for 45 minutes. Maybe you've been there. Some of you are laughing like, oh, I've been there. They just talked and talk and talk. And you're just like nodding and smiling. And it's like, do they want me to respond? Do they want me to like, like 
is this relational or is this just a one-sided thing? But I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because I feel like that happens a lot in our worship, especially corporate. Where it's like we're singing all these songs and we're expressive and we know that God, we believe that God is receiving it and He's hearing it and He is. But are we, are we stopping? Are we waiting and thinking, God, you're, you're relational. You created Adam to walk in the garden with you. You haven't changed. You want that kind of relationship where, and he walks with me, and I talk at him. No. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, no other has ever known. And it's that song that I grew up hearing as a, as a child and, and how it's describing this relational encounter with God. And the person who wrote that, I'm sure, wrote it out of their experience of having that. And that type of experience is available for all of us. And so, like I said, the crux, the foundation of this message is to really just really stop and think, God, have I been treating you in my worship, in my prayer life, in my walk with you? Has it been more one-sided? And I feel like the reason that happens in our culture, even the church culture, is that there's something that's creeped in the church. I call it, you know, the Martha, the Mary and Martha. And the, the Martha mentality is like the, the church gotten to a place where worship has even turned into a kitchen. Where Martha, she felt like Jesus is coming over. I got to get everything ready. I got to prepare a place for him. I got to prepare my song list for him. I got to prepare this experience for him to enjoy. I have to get it all ready for him. And really, Jesus just wants a relational encounter with us. You know, one of the stories I heard years ago that I loved, and he was talking about his child that was drawing a picture for him, and he was just sitting there in the chair, the dad, and it's like the little child is coming up and saying, Daddy, look at the picture that I drew for you. Okay, now, Daddy, look at the, the song I, I, I made for you. Dad, look at the, the Lego I built, whatever it is. And it's just like the kid just wants approval, wants the approval. Oh, look at what I did. Look what I drew. Look how I sang. And it's really like a desire for attention from the father. And what the father just wants the child to know is you already have what you're looking for. You already have my acceptance. You already have my love. You already have everything you're actually trying to get from showing me what you can do. And at the end of the day, if we would just know that and just come up to his feet and come up to his lap, he would embrace this fully because the word says, while we're all yet sinners, he died for us. Before we even looked his way, he had already paid the price. So what else can we do? What else can we do to get any more favor, any more attention, any more love from him? And so what worship to me, what it boils down to in this Hebrew mentality is just knowing 
in advance when we walk in here on Sunday or any other time we approach Him, we already have everything from Him we could ever have. So then we get to just come into His presence and, and sit at His feet and just enjoy that. And just say, I'm, I'm at your feet. Just like what Mary did. It says that Mary, she sat at the feet of Jesus listening to everything that He had to say. And then Martha actually came over to Jesus and said, tell my sister to help with, with what I'm doing. Can you imagine ordering Jesus around? I think it's hilarious. And what happened was Jesus said to Martha, you know, what your sister Mary has done is she's chosen the better thing. And so that better thing that Jesus was talking about was that Mary chose to sit at His feet to listen to His Word. And so I believe this, I'm, I'm closing with this, this mentality, this mindset shift, is that could we really come into His presence and say, Lord, renew my mind, and, and to believe that I already have Your attention, that the price has already been paid, and that my worship can be an expression of a response to what You're doing to what you're saying in the moment, in real time. I'm going to say this again because this is really the, the foundation of this whole message, this whole book, what I believe God's speaking, is that so much we prepare in advance something that we're going to offer to the Lord, like Martha in the kitchen. But I believe that the Lord is looking for our response from actually waiting on Him first. And it seems so contrary to our, our culture, our church culture, the way we do church, the way we, we construct our services. You ever wonder why our worship services are called services? Because it's, it's constructed and it's created in a, in a manner of we're coming to, to bring service to the Lord. But what if we started, and it seems so hard to even think about doing because it's so foreign. But what if we started waiting on the Lord? What if we started waiting on the Lord like Jesus told His disciples to do in the book of Acts? <laughs> what if we waited on Him and then He did something and then we preached about what He was doing? That's what happened in the book of Acts, if you think about it. They went to the upper room, they waited, then God moved, and then Peter had to preach a sermon about what God was doing. Instead of trying to preach sermons and, and give words and drum something up, what if we just waited on the Lord to see what He wanted to do in real time and then we flowed with Him? And that's what the, the flow of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is just actually refraining from moving, refraining from doing, so we can flow with what He wants to do in our midst. And so I just feel like this last little paragraph is what I want to end with this morning. The encounter I'm talking about having here is more personal than just signing our names on one big collective greeting card that our favorite worship artist wrote for us to give God. It's like when you give one card to somebody for the birthday, everybody signs it. It's like there's one little phrase when you care to send the very best or whatever it is and it's like everybody signs their name it's real easy to do that it's real easy for us to get Tomlin up here 
and we all sign our name to how great is our God, and we give it to the Lord. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is, would you consider this with me? That what if God would much rather prefer to get a bag of handwritten cards from each of his kids? Are you getting my analogy? Because when my wife gets Mother's Day cards that her kids drew, I don't take my kids to Hallmark and say, pick one out for your mom. She doesn't want that. She doesn't want something someone else wrote. She wants the expression from her children. And so what I'm telling you, not to discourage you, but to encourage you to say, your father thinks about you that way. Your father desires what's inside of you, what he put in you to reflect back to him that he created within you, to reflect it back to him as worship. One of the songs I wrote was, Father of creation, I bow before you now to offer back the breath you gave to glorify you, Lord. So what that's all about is saying, Lord, the breath you breathe into me, I'm going to offer it back up to you, but in a way that only I can release it to you. And so I'm just going to transition just for a few minutes back to this keyboard.